Enterprise Digital Podcast with Ian Aitchison and Barclay Ray, navigating the ever-expanding service management maze. Hello, hello, hello. It's the Enterprise Digital Podcast once more. We, we are still here. This is Barclay Ray and I'm with... Ian Aitchison, once more, the intrepid and slightly jet-lagged Ian Aitchison. How are you doing, Ian? Hello, Barkley. I'm intrepid and slightly jet-lagged, yes. You are indeed. It's been a busy time. One reason we haven't pushed an episode out for a couple of weeks is that we've been on our travels, we've been busy, we've been doing all sorts of things, um, different things, and we could maybe talk a little bit about them. It's a very busy time for our industry and and Good to hear it, of course, but uh, lots going on. Ian, normally at this time, it's a tradition. It's it's tradition. one of those things that just happens, but you you generally come armed with some fascinating piece of trivia. I do, and uh, this uh, this week is no different. I am pleased to announce that we are sticking to the tradition, keeping the traditions going. I have some trivia for you. This is the latest one that just drifted by my stream probably at some terribly jet lag point in the night when I couldn't sleep. But um, did you know, over the last week, some news has come out about the four-day working week. Mm. The four-day working week. Apparently dozens, dozens of British employers have been trialling the four-day mm. working week and mostly have decided to stick with it after a pilot which was hailed as a breakthrough by campaigners for better work-life balance. Sounds dramatic, doesn't it? As ever, we'll dig into the detail a little bit. There's 61 companies across Britain, and they worked an average of 34 hours across four days between June and December, whilst earning the same salary. Mm, interesting. Of those, 92% opted to continue working in that way, but only 18 of them, which is about 20%, to do it permanently. Now, I don't know what that means, permanently versus opted to continue. But it's regarded as a big example that in many organizations, a move to a four-day working week is a positive step forward. It increases employees' productivity and satisfaction without impacting the effectiveness and the success of the business, apparently. Interesting times. It is. And I've come across a few organizations that have been trialing or or doing it in in some way, particularly uh, one or two companies that I've engaged with in North America and in Canada in particular, but also in France and have been aware of some trials in the UK, but not really go into the, the detail of it. I, I guess one question would be, is there any more detail on that as to whether that is all, if there's any particular model for working, you know, is that all hybrid? Is it all home working? Is it all office-based do we know i can't tell you that uh 66 of those had 25 or fewer employees really small um it does mention work from home or work patterns it doesn't give a framework for how to implement this successfully Mm. honestly i'm a little bit cynical not that i wouldn't like to work a four-day working week but everybody's a bit competitive and wants to do well. So people that are competitive and want to do well are likely to work a little bit harder on a fifth day when many other people are not. And those people that work a little harder may get more advantage in their career. So I, I, I'm puzzled to how successfully this would work in a, a competitive or commercial environment. But 
I think the, the the model has probably been out there one way or another for for some time. I mean, like many things that that, that may have been you know highlighted or accentuated through the the pandemic. But I I guess it does come down to the sort of organisation. Some organisations just obviously just can't do that because they have yeah. to have time based cover. Like to your point, I think there would be a challenge with not even so much competitiveness, but just capability of people how much time you can spend doing something. And when you're working with those that are not doing that amount of work, you know, does that give them or you an advantage? I, I don't know. I think I think it's definitely something to be explored. And I think for many people, it is a great option. I'd um, love to try it. Uh, you know, if the opportunity came along, I mm. think I would give it a good go. I just can't completely see. Also, when I work, I, I tend to work pretty hard the whole time without much of a break. So if I did... 20% less days, then I think I would do 20% less work. That's the thing that, that puzzles me, really. Um, but there we are. Well, we, we all should be working smarter, whatever, whatever it is. Yeah. Sometimes, sometimes just working is, is, is good in itself. Sometimes it's tedious. But here we are in, in the midst or on the back end of, you know, a world changing event that's, um, Seems to be ruffling things up for many organisations. Well, this week we um, we don't have a guest. We're, it's just us talking, but we're going to be talking about some fascinating stuff to do with yeah. travels and recent experiences and where we seem to be going as an industry. So um, let's look forward to that chat. Ian, let, let's talk about what you've been doing recently. You've been at the over in Vegas at the Pink Conference. Uh, yeah, I have. Pink Conference 2023 uh, in the lovely Bellagio Hotel in Vegas. And yeah, what was it like? It was pretty good, actually. I was I was talking to somebody, a colleague recently, earlier today, and they were saying, you don't sound very enthusiastic. And I said, well, I am British and sometimes that's the way it comes out. I thought it was it was pretty good. It was it was estimated somewhere around 800 attendees. Okay. The uh agenda was was pretty packed. The keynote speakers were both uh on the first full day and on the second full day were were excellent and talk about them if you like they, they were good. The show floor and obviously I spent a fair amount of my time on the the show floor at the event where all of the hustling the, indeed yes it just having really great conversations with people and eating remarkably good food that's something i should mention i don't know what they did at pink but um whether the hotels changed their contractors for food or something delicious really good yeah. food yeah <laughs> it doesn't um, seem that long since i was there at the last one which was in june last year um so i did miss out and i, I was Sad to miss it, but um, there you go. What were the, I mean? Were there any big themes coming through? Any any in terms of ideas uh, the, or the overall theme uh, from Pink to the event was uh, attaching, as they always do, attached to a a theme, which was uh, James Bond and 007 and uh, the the skills and talents you need to be uh, a successful secret agent getting the job done and using the tools available to you and being creative, but always being focused on the prize and yet working within governance. You'd love that partly bit of governance. What about killing people? Was that they part of it as well? 
didn't mention much about killing people, but it was they 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 did a very polished quality job with uh, videos showing service management concepts as if they were a James Bond introductory movie. It's really nicely done. So that was kind of a bit of fun. That was that was quite good. Is that suggesting that service management is either an underhand, slightly secretive activity or or the work of evil, you know, evil villains that are trying to take over the world? I don't know. It's more about the discipline and the focus and right. okay. the ability to to execute and deliver uh, whatever M asks you to do uh, as your mission, the ability to successfully achieve that with all of your skills and talents. I mean, it was a fairly... Uh, Fairly loose connection, but they did it very well. So no criticism there. Okay. Just kind of going on, I know you were talking at the event um, on some of your um, digital experience stuff. Yeah. I mean, how, how did that go down yeah, over, well, over there? It was kind of interesting. So uh, here I am very firmly putting my Next Think hat on because um, I was there uh, because Next Think had a, had a booth and were representative at the event we were there next thing was there which is unusual because it's an itsm event and uh next thing is not an itsm vendor we're a digital employee experience vendor or dex now one of the reasons we were there is i think we'd all spotted in the market this convergence where understanding experience is becoming very important to service management uh -huh. and i i had a session a presentation session in one of the uh, one of the rooms, Da Vinci 4, which was talking about what DEX can do for ITSM and really kind of, I guess, educating the service management market on the fact there is a, a market category that exists which can uh, resolve your incidents faster and uh, identify proactively potential problems and automate the the uh, resolution of those and understand the impact of your changes and increase satisfaction and all of this stuff, this great stuff that Dex technology does, which I think a lot of service management professionals may not be aware of because it's a new concept that's out there. So I was on a bit of a evangelism mission to help the service management real world realize you can do service management better, faster, quicker if you connect with Dex technologies. And I think it went down well. Yeah, we had loads of people coming and talking about it. Mm. Um, interesting conversations. There's definitely, you know, there's definitely a, a time and a place now in the industry where, and I, this is my impression, again, where looking around the pink show floor, you had a number of vendors. And by the way, many of the big name service management vendors were not there. Mm. Service now, no BMC and others. Some were there, dominant one being Atlassian. But you look around and you see that many of the service management tools are pretty similar in what they do. They help mm. you manage your tickets and CMDB and delivering a value. And there's a slight element I got of, well, you can change those tools if you like. You'll just still just end up with a new interface on achieving the same thing. Uh, and that's where I thought the interesting bit with the smaller ones, where there's a few out there like like we were who were talking about, don't change your tool, integrate into some other capabilities so you can do what you do faster. I think it's a, an interesting message. I mean, broadening out a little bit, there's that's a perennial conversation about organizations who keep thinking that if they change their tool, 
it will make a difference. And there's lots of things where they're either missing missing the key element of what they can or could be doing, or they don't realize what the opportunities are with other technologies and other in other areas. Yeah. Um, but that whole thing of just, oh, well, we, it's the tool, it's the tool, we need I to do something about that. That's the same thing. You're swapping a knife for a knife. You're never bringing in a fork to enhance your knife. What a great analogy that is. But you need a knife and a fork. Yeah. Is, 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 is my point. And I think that's the other aspect of this that I just wanted to comment on from what you're saying, which is that there's the, the, the kind of digital experience management and the tools there, I think, are the way forward for this. I think there's a lot of, um, there's probably a lot of fuss and fluff around all the kind of experience level management and metrics and agreements and so on which is useful stuff but actually the the real value comes from having an integrated approach to right. to, to doing service management with digital experience so, tools. Those tools have unique capabilities the dex tools like just the same as your endpoint management tools or uem tools. Mm. they have a unique ability and if you integrate them with your service management technology you do more with service management faster better stronger so it's that same idea. You can tell I've just come back from a show, can't you? Because I'm talking like a salesperson. Oh you've, you've been in America, <laughs> yeah. You've been talking <laughs> to Jeffrey Tefertilia and you got into that sales mode. I um, A couple of people I spoke to uh, who I asked them what their three takeaways from the show were. Because I knew mm -hmm. you'd ask me, Barkley. I knew you'd ask me. I spoke to Matt Barron, who was uh, there, of course, on the Infgate site, as a stand booth, mm. as they say in the US. And he said his three takeaways from Pink 2023, um, no dramatic change, but lots of pent-up demand for change. So he felt like things were about to happen very quickly, um, but nothing had changed for a while. People are talking about the same topics, the mm. same the same discussions, and I certainly saw there's a lot of similarity there, but his sense that things were going to happen very quickly. Uh, I spoke to, yeah, Jeffrey. To, to filler, to, 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 Cafetier. Yeah. Cafetier. Thank you. Hi, Jeffrey. Uh, he said, uh, really good speakers. Oh, thanks very much. He was good too. Um, it was a good. He missed your session then, did he? He did miss my session. Yeah. He said it had improved uh, from the last time around and he called out how good the food was. So there you go. It's only things that matter. Mm, that's interesting. Well, I mean, I think that vendor landscape is is one that's, I think it's been, I think I said to you when we discussed this at SITS last year was that, that there are so many of the mid-range vendors now have been bought or have been given finance or VC or whatever, and are probably, well, hopefully you would think they were about to do something, but the landscape hasn't changed that much. Certainly seeing a lot of organizations that are wanting to get more out of these tools or or pay less if you know what i mean or both mm -hmm. um because there's a lot of money being pushed into them and the development of them so but i mean even even this week i i've, I've done a couple of workshops with, with organizations where they've been one that i just done some consulting with that really were you know they weren't getting the most out of their tool and it's a perfectly decent tool and there's nothing wrong with it at all. It's just that the way it was set up and the way that it was being used and what they thought was important coming out of it 
just wasn't helping them. It just wasn't giving them information that was of any value to them to make any decent decisions. And the, the other one that was quite interesting was I, I did a session yesterday with a, with a, an organization where they were, they've been going around in circles for years trying to sort out what they're going to do with configuration management. Oh, yes. And yeah. I just started off by going, and I think they thought I was going to go in and just tell them what to do or tell them to get this product or and it turned out it was like, well, we have to go back to a few more basics as to what you want to get out of it and why. And you know, it really is that sort of back to back to basic stuff. Is there is there any point in you doing this unless you have a good reason for it? And you know, we did the thing on on Teams. It's like just type in what you think of the, why we were doing this, and it was a lot of different a lot of different reasons. So I mean, I the more that I'm kind of one one thing I am going to do this year is is and I'm just in the middle of rehashing the stuff I used to have ITSM goodness. I'm going to give that a bit of a fresh coat of paint. But because so so much of the stuff that you hear, on the one hand, it's the exciting new stuff where we can do a lot more faster, quicker with technology, and on the other hand, it's still oh well, we, have we sorted out the ABC? Yeah, that's starting to sound like Paul Wilkinson there. I can kind of reflect that in in some of these sessions that I went to at Pink. We had um, someone like David Cannon, for example, who's always an awesome character, David, and uh, talking about strategy. And he was talking mm. about how to manage strategy and how to manage initiatives with strategy and just the routine and the pattern of designing and changing strategy as you go along, which is quite high-level stuff. I went to another session that was from actually from a vendor, uh, and I won't say their name, but it was like going back 10 or 15 years in terms of very, very basic principles, not of using a tool, but of uh, you could do this with your service management tool. And, and the room was very nearly empty. But I remember looking around and thinking, but people have been saying this for years and years and years, and this is the very, very basics. And so there was a massive range from strategic thinking to primary building blocks to innovation. There were some sessions from chatbot type vendors obviously the the next thing type things so some of the new ways of doing things were in there as well it's a it's a good mix i think the the back to basic stuff i mean on the tooling there's been so much unused parts of these tools for for years and 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 for me it's more about people just having a clear focus on what they're going to get out of doing something like you know configuration or or whatever else it is it doesn't really matter the thing is it always sounds a bit old-fashioned and dated if you say well we really need to do configuration management properly not many people do it properly so it's actually it's actually quite new and bleeding edge if you are but on the other hand it shouldn't be difficult it's only difficult because i think in the end we make it more complex than it is we are we want to add more complexity and engineering to it than it perhaps needs to put it that way that's, that's partly true i do think that uh where i've seen organizations that have been successful really with any technology of that type you know, it operations tools mm. the secret to success let you in this is my my secret belief the secret to success is actually having uh, at least two of the right people in the project team that are looking after that technology one of those people being the strategic leader who can go in and have an argument with mm. the CIO or influence yep. the HR or have those conversations. And the other being that character who loves the technology and gets things done in it can, yep. you know, whether it's 
ServiceNow or whether it's um, Atlassian or whether it's BMC, they know that technology so well. They can go, yeah, I'm doing it. Hang on. And they go off in the weekend and they knock up that new workflow and those new forms and those new metrics and they come back because they're passionate about it and they get it done. Now, if you get those two, you can really mm. make things happen. If you've got neither of those two, yeah, really hard to get things done. Yeah, you could be talking around the circles for forever. Well, that's interesting about Pink. I was unfortunately not able to go. I was over in, yeah. over in India. And, yeah, um, so tell, how was that? Tell us about that trip then, Buckley. How was it? It was it was fun and um, it was it was very good from the business point of view. I was auditing a managed service organization um, for SDI, and and it was it was a very good experience and and a really good experience of how organizations make good managed service contracts work, which is as a partnership, both of them contributing to it. So yeah, it was it, it was fun. It was a bit chaotic in terms of the the journey to and from the uh, office every day. I had to shut mm-hmm. my eyes quite a lot of the time. But um, I also had the bizarre and, and unexpected pleasure of meeting Bjorn Borg when I was there. and um, Which is not something you would expect, I have to say. No, I actually spoke Scandinavian to him in in the toilet. <laughs> that's what that's, that's yeah. Because I mean, the thing is, I I don't like just going up to famous people and, and uh, saying hello. You spoke Scandinavian. Sorry. Yeah, you spoke Scandinavian to Bjorn Borg in the toilet. I I can speak a little bit of Danish and Swedish and Danish and and Norwegian are understandable to each other. So rather than just going hello Bjorn, can I just have a? We had a chat. We had a chat about all sorts of things. I I told him about how I'd been at a wedding in 1980. And the entire wedding was in the bar watching Borg McEnroe final yes. and not being at the wedding. <laughs> um, but but yeah, that was that was a, that was a strange distraction. But it, it was a, it was a pleasant one, and I, I look forward to meeting other Swedish tennis players in the toilets in, in future. <laughs> the service provider organisations. There's lots of those headquartered or, or grown up out of India, aren't there? There's a, there's a big collection, sort of MSP technologies. I am constantly dealing with them at the moment. I'm doing loads of work. And a lot of my days are early starts, working from home, doing auditing, consulting, whatever it is, with companies in Bangalore, Chennai, whatever. Loads and loads of them. And, you know, actually, I think the quality and and the capability of those are are improving significantly. I mean, there's a reason why the particularly the large MSPs are so successful. They're very, very good at what they do. And mm-hmm. for my my context, I've had product teams, organizational units in uh, in same place actually in in Bangalore, where you went, mm-hmm. Bengaluru, and they were amazing people. Um, amazing at uh, in in both cases, starting from almost nothing, building up a whole functional office with tens, if not hundreds, of people in it, doing an amazing job, and inc- incredibly hardworking. Hardworking, so, positive, educated, yeah, you know, can do all those kind of things that don't always happen yeah. when you're looking from home. It's it's uh, it's quite inspiring, and and you know, there, I think there has been the image for a while that, that that some of those operations are quite sort of functional or perfunctory what they do, but actually they've got yeah. all a lot of the advanced capabilities that we're always talking. You know, we're talking about experience management and people management and sustainability and all just it's baked into what they do so um 
Many really... of the tech organizations have got either headquarters or large uh, functional areas that are based particularly around that area in India, around Bengaluru and some over, uh, is it Chennai and, and other areas? So, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's been booming for a while. I'm glad you had a good trip. It's a fun place to go. And I hear you didn't suffer any food-related challenges while you were there, which is good news too. No, I had seven curries in, in, in the days I was there, but that, that's that's about normal for me. So Just like a typical <laughs> that's, that's, weekend at home. That's a good lunch for me. Okay, um, we've, we've talked around a few things there, and... We will just round off in a second, but I guess we have some we have some more guests coming up coming up in the next few months. So look out for that. But hopefully we've touched on a few uh, relevant topics for the first time for a little while. Well, those of you that have been waiting for this, now it's time for uh, Ian to make his recommendation of a drink for the podcast bar. Ian, do you have a recommended drink for the podcast bar? Well, we like tradition, don't we? So, um, yes, I do. Yes, I do. And I, I think I've contributed once before, so I get to do it another time, which is nice. So I thought I'd just share with you the recommended drink from my recent travels. I was introduced, uh, thanks guys, to a drink called the Verbena Cocktail. You heard of the Rabina cocktail, Buckley? I know about Ribena, um, which is blackcurrant juice. But no, I, I think I've heard of it. But, you know, if it's not if it's not Guinness or, or red wine, then it's kind of, you know, or lager. I don't drink it. So oh, no, it's, it's kind of a special one. The Rabina cocktail, it, it's uh, sold in possibly only in the Cosmopolitan Hotel in Vegas. It's not on their menu, but it is the most common drink ordered in the Cosmopolitan Hotel in Vegas. And uh, this cocktail, quote, alters your taste buds because it's a it's a drink which contains uh, a flower. And I'm just looking up the name of the flower, but it contains a flower bud, which you chew. It's each one flower, each one flower. Oh, yeah. You chew this just as you start drinking your drink and it makes your whole mouth well, vibrate. It's the only way I can describe it. A fizzing. It's a bit like a combination of space dust and pins and needles. And I uh, remember the, the children's sweet space dust I'm referring to there. And then you drink the you then you drink the drink after that. And you know, just get somebody to punch you in the mouth instead. Yeah, the, the flower was great. The drink actually wasn't all that nice, <laughs> but the the flower was extraordinary. So there we are. That's my podcast bar exotic tip for this week's recording. Wow. Well, I'll look forward not to trying that. Or perhaps uh, the hottest food I've ever eaten is in a Sichuan restaurant in in uh, Beijing, where I thought my companion was going to die um, oh, cool. because uh, he thought he was going to die as well because uh, his mouth and his throat went numb, yeah, with chili. So he just didn't think he was breathing, wow. uh, and his and his head turned the color of a you know very bright tomato. So I'd, anything with Sichuan, I'm like, uh, I'll I'll just stick to uh, Carling. Thank you very much. Okay, well, we've uh, we've chatted away, we've wittered away in our in our own particular style. We'll be back to having guests from next week. Thanks very much, Ian, as ever, and uh, we'll speak to you all soon on the Enterprise Digital Podcast. And don't forget, you can email us in, or if you want to join, drop us a note and um, remind us of the email address again, Barkley. Enterprise Podcast at gmail dot com. That's it. Very well done. <laughs>
I'm amazed you could do that when you're jet lagged. I can't do it when I'm, I have to be drunk to, to do it. So thanks very much. See you next time.